0: And the things of earth will grow
1: strangely dim, in the light of His glory and grace. Welcome everybody to another episode of Trans Regrets Snoopy Presents The Bible. I have a very special guest with me today. I have author Michelle Perez to speak with me about Ephesians four and five. Welcome, Michelle.
0: Hello. How's it going? Snoopy?
1: Just, just wonderful. Thanks for thanks for joining me.
0: Yeah, uh, I hmm. In terms of uh, you, you mentioned background earlier, uh, I co-created The Pervert with Remy Boydell, an artist from the UK. We also did a follow-up comic slash zine called The Bronze. You know, the book did okay. We got nominated for a bunch of stuff. That was very nice. We did some press. That was very nice. Uh, I've wrote in other things, various gaming mags. I also work on the uh, Working On It podcast with Eliza Gager, my buddy Ruben, and my buddy Jake. Uh, they're, they're all sweethearts, and they all have to deal with me. Being a long-winded blowhard, and <laughs> how you have to deal with me being a long-winded blowhard.
1: Uh, well, I would encourage everyone to go check out Michelle's work, and um, and I was also going to ask you um, tell people a little bit that are listening uh, about your faith background and and if uh, or how faith plays a part in your life today. Okay, I was I was a
0: Catholic. I had basically gone through catechism uh, through. I want to say mid-adolescence it, it's hard to think of it like categorically i only think of it in terms of those big punctuated things like in him in, him, in, him, in the unity of the holy spirit and then you go through that uh some some catholic congregations i've went to don't have like the sort of musical tone uh where you're just busting them out uh let's see here uh the, the church was St. Patrick's. We had like a Bostonian nun and we had a, uh, very, very old, uh, Bostonian sort of priest. Then he got replaced by like, a take out my backpack and tell you a fun little story for the sermon priest, which was <laughs> kind of jarring. He wasn't like a progressive priest, but he was like, here's, here's my little routine. Uh, I want to tell you this little anecdote about this funny exchange I had at the grocery store where it was uh, it was, very, it was very Sunday morning comics, I'll say. Uh, currently, I am no longer a practicing Catholic. I'd be lying to you if I said my transness didn't uh, play a large part in that, but also, in particular, the larger overarching project of the Catholic Church. I, I believe less in churches and have come to, uh, hew towards personal practice of religion. Uh, in my personal life right now, I'm trying to convert to Judaism. Uh, and it has not been easy during the pandemic, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to, trying to, you know, hook up with a synagogue, go through all this stuff. I, I have, uh, I have some trans, uh, Jewish friends who have been pretty good resources on showing me intros, uh, to it. But in terms of my faith, it's been, it, it's been an arc you go through, you go to cat Catholicism to atheism. i have been deeply libertarian and conservative at some point. Uh, a, a trans friend turned me away from that and my consumption of comic books turned me away from that in a weird way. And, uh, yeah, now, now I, I think it's, I think it's the groups of people you sort of are around Snoopy, but, uh, do you, would, would you say that? Like sometimes the people you're around could kind of turn you on to an idea.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And I have seen, um, I have seen a significant shift toward Judaism amongst trans people in the last few years. And I mean, I think it's wonderful anyone engaging with God, anyone anyone finding a, a prayer routine or a faith tradition that works for them, I think is, is a good thing. I mean, I, I was just thinking of when you said that, one of the first things that people outside of my immediate family Uh, did after I'd come out as trans was um, I got a message from uh, a friend of the family who is Jewish and sent me um, a little excerpt from a Jewish prayer book. And this is actually a prayer for transitioning gender. And I can read that if you don't mind if I Yeah, go off. Um, It says, may the one who blessed our ancestors, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, Zilpa, and Bill Howe, Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Bless me as I enter into this new chapter in my life. The world was not formed by a single act. Each and every day, God renews the work of creation. May God grant me the strength to constantly renew my own creation. May I open my heart and mind to continuous growth, unexpected change, and the perpetual unsettling liberating expansion of being alive. May I have the courage to name and to sanctify this moment of change that is shaping my body and soul in the image of the ever evolving divine. Blessed are you, El Shaddai, our God, the renewing one of the world who has allowed me to reach this time of transformation. And let us say, amen.
0: Oh, amazing. Isn't that beautiful? It's it's lovely. There's, there's a poetry, a cadence to it, but also, uh, it's so it's so interesting because you on its face face because of you know more fundamentalist elements of the world uh having a very big hand in overarching conversations involving transness and faith uh most of the world is is a theist and there's a not insignificant amount of atheist trans folks uh but What's interesting in, in sort of incorporating yourself into this schema of things larger than yourself, that change is, is one of the things where we may be able to sort of teach things about people that are not trans, like about themselves, uh, because we, we have an incredibly different and specific experience. We have things to offer one another. And these larger institutions long before us uh, don't necessarily have to outright negate in terms of uh, dogmatic rhetoric or uh, traditionalism. I don't think it means that the switch is flipped and uh, everyone's going to be uh, 100%. Like, you know, those those sort of... uh, trans faith
1: based things where it's like a bunch of non-denominational things under one roof yeah and it's sort of it's, like unitarian universalism or trans theology through <clears throat> yeah i i think i get what you're saying i don't i don't think it's super coherent and so yeah it
0: it will be hit with with the old cringe bat you know the the the, <laughs> the the rainbow cross as it were i i i love so many cringe things that i i can't come down hard on them, but I get the lens. I get the lens where it's like, there are some contradictions. You're gonna have to be honest with your congregation about, uh, but making that case uh, doesn't necessarily mean they will be the lesser for it. And and in that poem, I saw that and and heard that and felt that, uh, that sentiment
1: so yeah sorry again long winded but no, i mean the the um I feel like Judaism was one of the um one of the earlier um kind of adopters of a sort of trans affirmation uh in more progressive circles, like even progressive Christianity didn't really catch up mm-hmm. to trans stuff until the last ten years or so, and it's still getting its kind of it's still getting its footing, and yeah, you're right, in a lot of ways especially in um, modern progressive Christianity, it comes off as very like um, coddling and, and kind of, um, yeah, cringe, I guess, is the word. I hate, <laughs> I hate that word, but it's probably the best way to describe it. It's our best point of reference right now. Yeah, uh, and, it's, and it's grappling with, and, and this is, we decided to, to talk about Ephesians, which is a letter from Paul who was a Jewish, devoutly Jewish man, um, writing to one of the churches that he helped to plant. Uh, he was there for three years helping to plant this church and help it grow. And um, there was some, I was reading a little kind of summary on this, and there was some speculation as to why it was that Paul's letter to them seems so generic. He's not specifically um, mentioning many of the things that, you know, that happened while he was there so much as he's just trying to give them like a general um, rhetorical basis for well, here's how we ought to be acting, and and a lot of Paul's letters are like this. They're they're largely like instructive, reassuring, but also kind of like uh, condemning where where it needs to be, and mm-hmm. um, and very moralistic, very very intensely. Like I see how you're operating in this way, and you need to knock it off. Um, Ephesus was um, a place where there was still a good bit of deity worship. There was an idol there. There was a significant um, temple to Diana, who was also known as Artemis, and um, she was still being worshipped uh, regularly and significantly in Ephesus. And so that th- this letter deals a little bit with that, but the part that we're going to be focusing on is about creating a new life in yourself and mm-hmm. forgiving others and and loving others through uh through truth through grace through um kindness which i think is a message that um really resounds with me as you know we all struggle in this world with um people doing wrong by us and, and and not treating us well
0: i was gonna say uh yeah i i don't know if you should open with this or i should open with this because so there's a very real basis for this discussion between me and snoopy Um, I'm not going to like fully crack open all the air quotes, deep lore, but so at some point or another, the trans regret Snoopy account had a very different permutation in the past that I had a very intense beef with. And so when I say this, I'm not litigating the past in terms of a grudge. I speak to it in the sense that there was a state I was in, there was a state All of that was in. And for the most part, I had been working on my comic with Remy. I had been navigating uh, trans scenes as a newly out person. And in the years before, there was sort of a Tumblr thing where a lot of trans people operated out of and like posted to and were very big reblogging groups uh, where it was not just regular run-of-the-mill, air quotes, trap people posting hardcore pornography was also people (laughs) of different experience that dipped into uh, various subcultures. Now, a lot of that deflated as time went on, and a lot of these people would move on to Twitter. And conflicts would abound, uh, and trans regret Snoopy and I beefed big time. I didn't know some things about it, uh, and I only learned them recently, but I had listened to your pod and I, I heard your voice, right? I, I spoke to you on the phone about this before and you sounded incredibly young. So when the, the time that the beef had happened and how mad I got at the artwork and how mad I had gotten at what I viewed to be a very destructive uh, way of looking at the world was was pure animus on my part and then you would have had to have been very young at the time and cutting your teeth in the ways that I was cutting my teeth in online uh, spaces or whatever and I I felt like a deep sense of shame and and we spoke and you were a human being uh with motivations and places you came from that i i didn't understand and to make those quick judgments in the moment uh and to try to suss out a completely coherent worldview from from only external and very destructive yes uh forces uh it 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 didn't encompass the entirety of who you were or, or as much as I've been able to, through, through speaking to you, uh, try to understand that. And I, I felt like I was just walking on air after we just squashed it because it, you know, like in many ways I see myself in you. Hmm. I, I see, I see the, the sort of arc. I, I, I had told you when we spoke on the phone that, uh, that you probably didn't even know when you were doing the things you did. Because I think it hews towards maybe this thought within trans thought where it's like, you know, maybe we do owe ourselves a little bit of internalized trans misogyny (laughs) just as a way to express a deep sense of alienation with the ceiling of what we're allowed in the world. Yeah, And being able to say that, uh, I, I think there's a fine line I feel like there's a way to articulate that where it isn't uh, done in like a gang stalking slash externalized and destructive way, which was one of the reasons the beef existed. But also the more I spoke to a lot of trans people, they weren't operating from the same premise as I was and didn't know a lot of the things I did. And that, their expressions of this deep sense of alienation and 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 hatred and self-hatred weren't things that were coerced into them. They came by it on their own. I made the mistake of individualizing that and instead of saying, what world produces that? What external coercive forces make people cloistered, make people turn away from one another. And if I believe what I believe, I have, those are the people I have to turn to. I, I felt deeply happy speaking to you and all of the change that happened in your life. There's been a pleasure to like turn away from, from destructive tendencies I've had uh, and be able to speak with you. And we have so much common ground. I never thought it was possible. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, sorry. This is like the, this is like 40 minutes. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) No, we really, we really do share, I think, a lot more than either of us anticipated. And in talking to you, it became clear to me that, like, we do better by uh, each other at all times when rather than um, lashing out when we feel hurt, um, Mm -hmm. trying to strike up a conversation, with someone that maybe you didn't think that you shared anything with or had anything in common with. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, actually, you know, certain things, converse, you just get into it and it clicks. And and I just want to say like, personally, Michelle, like as, 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 uh, I I feel this and I get kind of emotional when I think about it, but I feel this like deep sense of regret for how like mean that um, like I was a part of this I'm this, biting my um, lip so hard because you're saying something so serious, but
0: of like, this, this is just like you, huh? Trans regret, Snoop.
1: <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I, uh, go on. Thank you. I needed to break that. Um, uh, basically, I just wanted to say that I'm sorry. And I,
0: I uh, I'm, I'm sorry for, 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 for the, I got so self-righteous. I got so self-righteous and caught up in, these rhetorical victories we think we get over one another and we think, you know, that's, that's it. I've, I've made this definitive statement. Others nodded in agreement. Do our lives change for the better when, when we we think of one another as a sort of uh those that like are, are flagpoles to just take the flag down, raise our own up, and somehow that's a victory. I, I'd I'd argue now, after seeing as much death as I've seen through my life and all the misery I've seen, all of the all of the people. I, I, I'm in an art and and comics and crap, and I've seen so many trans people detransition and take their stuff offline permanently because they wanted to be brave in their own lives and say, this is me, this is who I am, and it's over. And it can't be undone. And they, there will never be an alternative. And the sense of stake is more real to me the older I get. I don't want any more enemies. Hmm. I don't want any more walls between people those things prevent uh it's kind of a bigger bigger uh not not bigger than christianity i'm not trying to own you uh (laughs) the concept of satori of of greater understanding of greater understanding uh that will come at great cost but uh the outcome is you you were able to Try to as best you can. Place yourself in someone other, someone else's shoes, and uh, the the motivations that led them to where they are. And some of them were earned. Some of them were instilled, uh, and some of them they had no choice. And when we come together, we're able to allow ourselves to have more choices. And the, the beautiful thing about thinking of, of this as it relates to religion is that you seek a commune in something greater than yourself, something that will persist beyond your death and beyond the worldly. Uh, this, is, this is the opposite of destructive acts. These are the acts of creation. Uh, and it's so hard to imagine a future now. That it, it had that importance to me. I it it was it was a conversation I had to have. It's it's, it's something as stupid and insignificant as hearing someone else's voice. Uh, but it, but I I I thought about everything that led me to where I was, and I felt foolish. But I mean, what's good now is uh, but yeah, yeah. Those those conditions, those fears. Uh, when you speak to someone and you, you try to get across, uh, where you were coming from, like there's so the only possibilities now. And I think that's where I want to, that's the only place I want to live now. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of all of this destruction. I'm tired of enemies. I, I, I just want to, I want to live. I want people to be happy. I'm not foolish enough to say I know 100% how to get there, but I know it doesn't start with us building as many walls between one another as possible.
1: Oftentimes, the things that we think are moral victories or the things that vindicate us because of, you know, perceived like codes that we've kind of set up within our social stratum or whatever, um, those victories are insignificant in the grand scheme of things because typically like you said what they do is they build walls between us and there is nothing that um, regardless of what your your religious beliefs are Christian Jewish, Muslim uh, Buddhist whatever the the um, the unifying spirit of the world is pleased when people within the world are unified when people within the world are um, are brought together rather than separated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which le- <laughs> which leads us to uh, we're going to jump in at Ephesians 4:17. Um, mm. the, the section of the unity in the body of Christ, which is the beginning of Ephesians 4 is is relevant in some cases, but I think um, apropos of what we're talking about, I think it's it's best to start here. Mm. So this section is titled in the ESV as the New life. That you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now this section... I think it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, right? Because it it implies like uh, we're better than the Gentiles. We know more and and we're better than them. But I think what Paul is really trying to say here is that the only reason why they don't walk with us is because they're callous. They've hardened their hearts. They they have not, they will not allow anyone in anymore. They've given themselves over to, uh, to what they see as their God now, which is like, you know, um, uh, indulging in certain things, be it, uh, I think that the word here is sensuality or greed. Um, Mm. yeah, yeah. You would say, you would say, and I guess,
0: depending on how traditionalist one is in their faith, uh, you, you'd kind of make the casual association in your mind with sort of a, a libertine mindset. I think in, in our, in our little subculture or whatever, you'd, you'd kind of maybe map that to, uh, being lustful, uh, being, being beyond just like, uh, maybe, maybe aesthetic being part of why you have to make money. Uh, and instead like, no, you've bought into it. You, you are, you are, you are, you've bought into it and you, you believe it in earnest and it's not a way to like make money. Let's say like sex work here, but but yeah, it's, it's weird thinking of, uh, building up, yeah, callousness or your preconceived notions of people. Uh, if it, 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 you have like a narrative, you have a narrative of who you believe that person is because you're just operating off of, uh, you're operating off of sort of superficial ideas of the person.
1: I think of it as the religion that Paul is implying that the Gentiles have here is like the religion of feeling an itch and immediately scratching it no matter Mm. what. And after a long enough time of scratching the same spot, you build up like scar tissue because you've scratched that itch so many times that now there's no, uh, there's nothing to, to, there's no skin left. It's all just scar tissue or it's all callous. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the way that the the um the voice translation actually says um they've lost all natural feelings. Uh they've lost that 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 touch, that that concept of touch, which is um I mean this is getting a little abstract, I know. And maybe we should continue moving on because the real no, crux I... of the passage is, uh-huh. is is here. Okay, yeah. Um at t- uh, verse 25 Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be, ang- be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I got to pause here because this mm-hmm. one, when I listen, or when I was listening to the audio version, I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And uh, so I read uh, three different translations of it and I went, yeah, be angry and do not sin. Now, thankfully, it's a little more spelled out. In um, th- There is a, a translation called The Message, which is very, very popular amongst evangelical uh, Christians these days. Uh, and it says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. It's not saying that being angry is a good thing. It's not saying being angry is um, uh, righteous. It's saying that being angry is natural, that there are parts, there are urges within us, there are reactions that we have to certain things that are perfectly natural. And so it's okay to allow yourself to be angry, but in that anger, do not let it turn you into someone that you don't want to be.
0: That, that's been the nicest thing about talking to you. It's like, I don't feel like I have to scrutinize myself completely to just say I was wrong in this way. It's because to be human is to be wrong in fundamental ways
1: yeah it's it's the one thing we all do really really well is screw up and 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 be cruel and and you know not not do what we should be doing, which is love each other the like the most unifying human trait is holding a grudge uh and 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 lashing out in anger and um getting defensive when when people challenge you and things like that it's like the worst of us is the one thing that I feel like we can all relate to in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. This uh, I'm going to skip ahead to verse 29 because this is the thing that tripped me up the most. Uh, Absolutely. And, and this relates to a little passage in in um, in five as well. Uh, but it says at verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths.
0: You, you give me at first because I know how I feel, but I, I want to
1: see <laughs> I, I, how, do, how do you feel about this? At first, I thought no corrupting talks come talk come out of our mouths, uh, but only such as is good for building up is like at first I thought like, oh, is this Paul like railing on on people cursing and, and things like that, uh, which we'll get to a little bit later. But mm-hmm. um, but what he's really saying is. Only speak the things that you think will glorify other people in the eyes of God. Only only talk in ways that will elevate the people around you um, and, and, and bring them up. And, uh, and then, of course, don't remain bitter when you're wronged. Don't uh, hold on to wrath and anger. Um, don't slander other people, but forgive because— and this is the crux of, I think, Christianity in general, is that, like, the sacrifice that Jesus made is the basis for what we should be learning to do now. Jesus' death was for the forgiveness of sins. So if we don't forgive other people, then mm-hmm. we are clearly disobeying what Jesus was, you know, instructing us to do. Um, but I think even if you separate this, and this is where Paul, I think, really thrives. There's certain passages in Romans uh, and, and in other epistles that he wrote that, um, that really could be taken out of the context even of the belief of uh, you know the, the resurrection of Christ and, and virgin birth and things like that, uh, mm-hmm. and just taken out. And even if you're just going to, 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 to harvest these unique, portions of his writing this is good advice this is just good advice for people
0: yeah because because it, uh, when i heard that i think my my first thing was being tripped up and see like hey just talk some shit if you want to but to keep it reasonable <laughs> it's like no no it, uh, your first impulse when you see something dumb uh will maybe be to respond in animus i think I think my 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 process for trying to think about things and unpack things now is well I know what that looks like and I know the outcomes of that uh I don't I don't think it means be be the make yourself the smallest version of yourself possible and and uh, only speak in a banal way that never offends sensibilities uh that doesn't map to the human condition. It, 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 it is sort of a, a code of conduct in which to say, yeah, it's pract- it's good practical advice. If all the time you would spend uh, just sort of making things worse or sort of centering yourself on making things worse, and we observe this every day. Every day we we see people sort of caught up in that. Uh, in our personal lives in our our friend groupings and and I don't just mean online uh, one of the best things about like being off of Twitter for like a year and a half was I I I gotten into local scenes like I don't dance but it was cool hanging out with like a bunch of queer people dancing and like low stakes no no one was no one seemed to have a sense of hypervigilance. No one was looking over their shoulders. I can't describe to you how insane that felt. Like uh, after basically never getting that in my mid to late 20s, as a lot of this had happened. I'd been transitioned for like five to six, going on seven years now. It, it almost sort of hurt to not be on my guard. And I didn't know how to feel about it. Uh, and what's weird is like how much of me being on my guard, this meant constantly throwing noise out there and constantly being mean spirited to people or, you know, thinking it was righteous or this or that, uh, in terms of like personal practice versus how you are in the world. Like I got to see those contradictions and like, I was happier when I, Maybe didn't uh, disseminate everything. And I, it didn't mean completely acquiescing in every way. Obviously if someone says some mean-spirited or bigoted stuff, I'm I'm also old enough now where I'm not going to completely acquiesce and not say anything, but delineation and, and knowing the difference. I think it's, what's really important to retain from that. When, when you, when you read scripture like that, I'm trying to think like Paul was the really thoughtful one. John was like, John was like Morpheus in the matrix. He was just going to murk everyone that got in Jesus' <laughs> way, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, each, um, John was, uh, was actually a, um, a contemporary of Jesus. Paul was around when Jesus was alive, but Paul was a Pharisee who actually condemned Jesus while he was still alive. He wasn't converted until after Jesus died. Whoa.
0: So, Paul was a hater.
1: Yeah. He was a, he was a hater big time. And, um,
0: This and is he, great
1: context. Wow. Yeah. He, he, he realized the, the, uh, the, um, the ill of his ways and, and he repented and he actually had some sort of uh, prophetic visions, um, that, like, Jesus came to him and spoke to him. And then, obviously, the work that he did, which is largely um, largely laid out in uh, the book of Acts, where um, Paul and a number of other uh, followers, apostles of Jesus, go out and start all these churches. Um, I think a lot of people think of the New Testament as just, like, it's the story of Jesus. And and yes, it is. But mm-hmm. it's also the story of the early church and how the early church was formed. So, um so Paul has this very intense intellect. He was um, he was an expert in scripture in the Jewish tradition, but he wasn't um, uh, you know he wasn't a follower of Jesus or a follower of the way until after uh, Jesus died. So of course. Being like most born-again Christians or, or most late-in-life converts, he comes to things with a fervor that is uh, hard to replicate. If you've been practicing something for 20 years, your fire kind of gets pulled out of it a little bit. But he was like, this is fresh, and we've got to rock on this. We've got to go. And
0: isn't, is, isn't it always the way we, 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 we think of a lot of these people as far removed from our experiences or whatever— And obviously we aren't Paul, we aren't John, we aren't Jesus, but I mean, the scripture also says we are, we are John, we are Jesus, we are these (laughs) people thrust into these crazy circumstances, Uh, all of these, all of these, these conflicts that then map to these actions in our lives. And yeah, uh, we would like to believe that, you know, these are just abstractions or this or that, but like. there there are historical there are historical precedents and scientific precedents set that a great deal of these people were real if not all of them uh maybe maybe the the outcomes or this or that or what what we map to sort of holy events where god directly intercedes and we see the I don't know, Magic the Gathering style stuff of the mind <laughs> sort of play out. Uh, and you know, our our minds would just sort of, I say Magic the Gathering because I think of like what you would see in fantasy or this or that. Uh, and some people differ on their views of that. I get that. I, I wouldn't say it to be insulting, but uh, yeah, a lot of this is just also conflicts within the world and and premises. And also, yeah, like like Paul is saying here, uh, you know, diffusing conflict is an option you can have. You can you can actually uplift one another. It doesn't have to all be destructive. You can you can, God forbid, love someone. Yeah, there
1: there were very few people who were, um, who were uh, actively participating in miracles mm-hmm. after after Jesus uh, after Jesus died. Uh, although there were some in the Book of Acts, you, you do see some you know people who are sick who are healed, the blind that can see again. You see that sort of thing, but largely, it's like the foundation of the Christian Church was just to unify Jewish people and Gentiles under. The story of Jesus and under the message of Jesus' ministry, which was kind of this, I mean, it was a very real ministry. He had lots and lots of people that would that would follow him around and listen to his sermons and, and watch what he had to say and listen very closely and intently to his messages. Because, and regardless of what your take on this is, I being a Christian do believe he was the son of God and he had this connection to God that no one else will ever have. But... Mm-hmm even if you don't believe that uh, muslims still believe that he was a prophet you yeah. know and and there are large groups of messianic jews in the, in the country that believe that jesus is jesus was uniquely stationed in the 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 existence of god yeah yeah
0: i mean i mean i would say i would say only to that uh, they the only thing because of its unique history within america there are, There are people within Jews for Jesus that I I fundamentally disagree with on on the premise that, like, a lot of it just means you're sort of de facto Christians. And so you exist sort of as a rhetorical wedge. I feel like this works contrary to the idea of, like, holiness. I dislike generally uh, wedge issue identitarian ideology. That is such a mouthful of crap, but <laughs> uh, it is it, it is because a lot of that sort of thing is predicated on on the sort of final holy wars. One, one, one set of believers finally having definitive uh, uh, victory over the others. I don't know if this is a reveal, but in terms of uh, what you spoke about, in terms of your, your overarching view of religion, have you ever spoken about, like, Sort of being a universalist, am I outing you? Am uh, I outing no, you no, I've so, I've to, I.
1: I <laughs> no, you're not pulling back any any curtains or anything. Oh, I think I've God. been pretty clear about cool. about the um my belief that uh, good good people who do good are inherently following the teachings of the Bible and the teachings of Jesus, and so uh, everyone will have a chance to be saved. And I I, I really don't think that um, that a holy war. I can't. The holy we we don't seem to ever have any good outcomes from holy war. It's never we done well. A, we never have good outcomes from war. Can, can you imagine? Yeah, it's like killing a bunch of each other doesn't actually result in in something good happening.
0: Yeah, it's like all right. Well, we've killed six hundred thousand to maybe one point two million of you. Sure, hope no resentments fester. Uh, <laughs> sure, we're never gonna come back to this one again. And it's like. I mean yeah it, it, it's also I I could also say that uh lackadaisically but then people still have to live with that those resentments or this or that what has been interesting about exploring religion uh is commonality of experience and also that a lot of people within that within that experience can can sort of uh can sort of look beyond the immediate worldliness of things can look beyond the self in the here and now and can, can say you know I'm 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 just I'm just one person uh, the earth is clearly a cage and if this is the ceiling for all that can be it would be a complete You know, then the human experience is is absolute nothingness and absolute misery. And you could completely fall into nihilism and be right if this were all it was. Uh, You don't have to believe in an Abrahamic faith or maybe within the idea of a spirit. Shoot, even even humanism, you could you could map to to wanting better things for yourself and others. Uh, to to simply only be in the world on its terms when its terms are so cruel and alienating and uh, never focus on good outcomes, but that they're, they're anecdotal and they just, they're just loaded in this hopper and you're all in, you're all flowing down this river and that there's no control. It's just constant friction. It's, that's nothing to aspire to that's nothing to uplift uh I, I you know if this world were the best
1: it can get uh surely you'd want something better than that right yeah i think i've said this on the show before but like other but people who uh who know me and don't necessarily align with my um, my recent uh, conversion to Christianity and my religious beliefs now that have stated things like I don't know how you could believe in something like that, and my retort has always been I don't know how you couldn't believe in something like that because if you don't have something else to uh, to look to for not just moral guidance but for like a unifying energy um, for um, uh, for help in uh, resolving unresolved issues for help in um, reconciling irreconcilable things for a purpose in life larger than yourself. If you don't have that, then, yeah, I mean, y- y- your life is literally meaningless. And, and how could that possibly be a good way to live? I mean,
0: what's hard is like delineating that, not mapping your judgments to people based on that, because I can't see into everyone's heart. You can't see into mine any more than I can see to yours. What we can do together is explain our premises, uh, exp- explain how we came to our conclusions. You won't have a one-to-one understanding. I try to do it through my work. I try to do it through talking about other people's work because for me, sort of the joy of that is people that maybe don't necessarily know that they're into a communion with something greater uh, is that they don't intellectualize everything, that it's, that it's a feeling, not a reason to act. Uh, This happens a lot with aesthetics. A lot of the people I know that make the most ornate, beautiful things aren't necessarily into high art. They're into shit like Looney Tunes and cartoons and anime (laughs) and, and corny music, like, like bands that like have a gimmick where they're wearing like costumes and stuff or into wrestling. Like, and uh, it's emotion and it's like raw nerve connection to things where, where they, they, if they can't feel uh, an affinity for long-standing institutions, there's an impulse to maybe create their own and, and sit in communion with others doing that. Which, I mean, you know, obviously politically, there's a billion ways you could take that. To, uh, well, or you think you're coming to that conclusion, but it's actually capitalist coercion, blah, blah, blah. These are people living in the world, dealing with the world on their terms. Uh, so yeah, obviously. But those people don't intellectualize it in that way. And so they're a little untethered. I, I like looking at, observing that, trying to communicate that to others. And a, a not insignificant amount of people that also create stuff are, are also tapping into that. Like, I forget, there's like, there's like this one trans metal musician like, a, like a liturgy or something uh, I don't know there's you got all kinds of people you know, we were we were we were doing a thing talking about the Rockefeller guy. Do you know anything about Rockefeller? no it's uh it came before Chuck E Cheese, a <laughs> uh, series of pneumatic uh gas pumps. Uh, that sort of animate these animatronic guys. They would later go into a concept reunification, be incorporated into Chuck E. Cheese and Chuck E. Cheese would win eventually, but the Rockefeller Explosion guy was only about Rockefeller Explosion and natural gas. These were the only things that he had basically worked on for 20 years until an actual Rockefeller Explosion happened in his factory oh uh, based on his wanting to have a, a, a renewable energy source via gas. They would cooperate in the many phases of his life. He's only lost money on it. <laughs> he's made he's made explosive Five Nights at Freddy's style animatronics for his entire <laughs> adult life. He's a singular weirdo. I have nothing in common with that guy, and he he straight up does he he straight up does not like Mexicans. Uh, probably does not like trans people full on Trump chug, but like learning about how singular he was in his acts of creation. I I was, I was able to, you know, think about how I created stuff and how my friends had created stuff and had found that uh, communal experience and that these aren't all shut doors and opening doors and, and creating connections between one another should be the end goal. I, I don't think it means befriend every sicko or, or tradcast person that wants to crush your brain in with like a cinder block. I think it just means that you have to dig deeper when you look at the motivations of others.
1: Yeah, you're not saying um, to accept every practice however sinful or immoral or hurtful it would be simply in the name of um accepting everyone but you can't you you can't
0: solely think in moralistic terms because i mean you and i are both trans uh you 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 really can't think of things in only moralistic terms (laughs) you do have to incorporate survival into how you think about the world or you will not survive. Uh, how can we impart this on others that don't have that sense of stake? How can it improve their lives? What about that would make them want to improve our lives? How many walls could we break down doing this? That is the end goal in my mind. That is, that, that's where
1: I want to be. I think that that's, that's the righteous path is to live by example Uh, it's the best missioning tool for any christian that's curious on how to uh to get other folks around them to understand why they're brought to the faith that they're brought to and uh, living well uh being happy being kind to others um actually chapter five uh verse one in ephesians walk in love says therefore be imitators of god as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So that's, that's the best way to be a unifying force in the world is not to exude the negative energy that online culture and just I think our culture in general encourages us to, um, to push people away, to mm-hmm. call people out, to push them out, to cancel them. And, and rather than doing that, we should be bringing people in and loving them because we have been loved.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I I personally, I have, I have mixed feelings just about cancellation or whatever, because one, the conversation. So odious Two, uh, the shapes and contours of it, and the rules. Uh, who establishes the rules? What are the baselines? They are so ephemeral and so amalgamated that it's it's like saying SJW to me, or it's like saying, uh, like
1: what was another great one? Virtue signaling, right? <laughs> I'm getting brought back to like three years ago online <laughs> It's completely it's completely amorphous based on
0: the viewer and the person espousing it I think there are destructive elements of it that I have acknowledged are real and that I don't want to take part in uh, the 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 messaging the rhetorical messaging and the fact that, the places in which the conversation uh, has permutations are a lot of algorithmic and artificial inducement. Meaning, we thought we arrived at our conclusions about this on our own terms. Do you feel the same way about that? Will we, will we feel the same way about this five years from now? Especially when we look at the media conversations evolving that or this or that. It's again why I'm thinking about larger standing into institutions bigger than our current moment. It's why I've looked at philosophy. It's why it's why I've looked at art, uh, because you need to dig deeper. The problem with the cancel culture discussion is that it's a bunch of people thinking in incredibly worldly terms. Uh, <laughs> and just thinking it incredibly moment-to-moment terms, when you know this shit won't matter next week, this shit won't matter two weeks from now. Uh, but what what we've talked about, yeah, how do we live with one another? The harder question, uh, and that's the thing when you when you spoke earlier about your friends that had a great deal of misgivings with you being Christian or this or that, like. I get it where they're coming from. But the thing is also to be trans is, is that like you're 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 constantly going to be scrutinized if you're publicly facing it anyway. And if you're private, you're still gonna be scrutinized. And if you aren't, you have to hide. And that's scrutiny on yourself. You're completely captured. And you'll have to to take five extra steps to feel normal versus maybe how you viewed yourself in the past. Or, you know, I know philosophically people feel different about this, but most trans people know there was how they lived before and there's clearly how they lived after. Mm. And everything else between that is uh, not superficial, but depends on the person i can't make a universal judgment but the thing is you know to be trans especially when we think about old books like janice raymond's the transsexual empire where yeah the erasure of trans people uh like the erasure of gay people or whatever will make society better like abigail shearer's current book running the same numbers that janice raymond's book made but uh the thing is there's some trans affirmation in there in a weird way. And that over time, these people will become bigger losers because we will have made, uh, their, their bigoted views irrelevant. Uh, I, that's, that's not me looking for a rhetorical win or whatever. I view it as, as bigotry and I don't look at it as intellectual lives because they only filter it through culture war. Uh, why does that matter as we relate it to you and me squashing beef and this or that? I think to be trans, in many ways, like being uh, someone of faith, is to hope. And that hope is, is a prayer. And to hope and to pray. To want something better than what we look at right now, when you see the stakes, when you see all of the inaction, when we see all of this Dickensian mistreatment of one another, all these ways we push one another away and don't hold hands and move together in a shared future uh, in order to hope, in order to love, to be trans, to to not want to blow your brains out looking at the world as it is, is to be delusional. And the thing is, Cornell West talks about this and I'll, I'll probably show the, the quote again or read it off. But uh, the thing about that is creation is an act of delusion. Hmm. You have to put eyes on, on your view of the world. You have to show it to people. and maybe it resonates with them. Maybe it lands flat, like a turd, but you said to someone, this was my view of the world. This is what I, I, this is my idea. This is what we see together. That's what it is. And the barrier for entry is so low that anyone could do it now. Uh, the odds are consistently against you. Uh, uh, law codifies uh, mistreatment of you. Uh, people in your own circles, family, family will hate you. Uh, you will hate yourself. No one will ever hate me in the way I hate myself. <laughs> ever. They will never touch me on that. Uh, which was another way I felt ashamed and why I, I spoke with such animus towards you. Cause it, it belied this sort of hypocrisy. No one could hate me the the way I hated me. And I I I still struggle with it. I I to be a human in this world, I think, when you see all of the awful shit you see, it's hard to just think, what am I but anyone else that just stands by and just watches it happen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the uh, this like notion of being scrutinized is yeah, like it is part of being trans. It's part of being a Christian, uh, and mm. and handling that gracefully is um, is really the only way to do it. Is to to breathe through it, to be gracious and loving, um, and uh, to occasionally take it on the chin because you uh, because the alternative which is lashing out and raging and, and screaming and, and being violent is like not mm-hmm. a real solution. And all that that latter option does is feed into the self-hatred that many of us already have.
0: Yeah, and to say the, to say the self-hatred isn't real or isn't earned, it's probably one of the most dehumanizing things we could do to one another. Uh, the thread exists right there with faith uh many members of the faith uh and religious institutions have sat by idly as you know human rights violations happened uh they were a party to the holocaust um there were many people that turned turned a blind eye or they would propagate violence uh they would make things worse than other people we're we we are the inheritors of uh that that violent history that destructive history and our our common thread is a sort of sense of option paralysis with all of that knowledge if you want to learn about any of any of how we got to where we are snoopy uh, we you you have a phone you you have x amount of ways to get unfettered, unfiltered knowledge of this and, and, and greater understanding. But that in and of itself won't resolve these underlying contradictions or these disproportionate uses of power. To do that, uh, to live, to, to, to exist, despite all of these contradictions, these hypocrisies is, again, uh, delusion, but uh, delusion, delusion, and hope sometimes are one and the same, and that you aren't wrong for sort of being delusional or wanting something better, and that there, there is, there is uh, a unifying thread to human experience. Where, yeah, wanting, sending out that energy sending sending out love instead of complete and utter hatred for for someone you you vehemently disagree with or or you just perceive it that way i can't find i can't find one thing i've disagreed with uh with you when we've spoken uh because i had all these preconceived notions but they were just that and and i think of how many how many years of my life I've wasted. Think of people in that way and boiling people down to a surface level of them. It makes me ashamed. And I I I it's not a whole area than that thing. I think, you know, you can give people a chance. I don't think you should do it unconditionally. I mm. think, you know, you have to keep yourself safe. Sure. But it's self-induced hypervigilance. You're imprisoning yourself. Uh, I, when you talked about your, your, your friends, sort of some of them rejecting you because you saw uh, something in, in Jesus and, and that, like, here's the thing. In that, there, there is a very baseline simple thing and how those two related. You both have something worth dying for. Christ uh, died, died for people's sins. Uh, You are, you are trans and you are uh, going through it. There's been a lot of misery associated with what has happened to you. You can, you can, you can have reverence for someone that has built their whole life around a complete and utter sacrifice for someone completely different than them. Whether it, be, whether it be the whore he saved from stoning or, or the people he saved from hunger and suffering to, to, to going after the moneyed people. Uh, he lived his whole life with a target on his back. And you live your whole life with a target on your back. And so I get that people dislike the institutions and I hate the institutions, but... The thing is, the message of love and that there's something worth dying for, uh, when we discover that and we discover it together and we show one another that and we understand that fully, uh, that's something you can take and, and show to other people and say, this is, this is where we want to be. We're, we're tired of living where we were. Like that that's all it is. It's 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 love.
1: And love is worth dying. Yeah. There's more. And yeah. there's always more and um and the best thing you can do for yourself is to um is to love. That's very well put. Thank you uh thank yeah. you for that. You know um before we wrap up because I got to most of the scripture that I wanted to talk about.
0: Um, oh god, I knew and I'm so Frickin' long-winded.
1: No, <laughs> I did want to give you an opportunity to to plug your projects again or your social media, and then I want to circle back to a topic we talked about a little Ooh, while no ago. No social
0: media to plug. All right, I'll no social right media.
1: <laughs> uh, don't don't right. don't even look for her. Um, no, that's cool. Um, but um, yeah, check out Michelle's work. I I, I really just want to extend like my my sincere gratitude for you coming on and and um, having this conversation with me and. And, I'll, throw,
0: uh, I'll, throw, I'll throw one link in chat one second. I think it's, uh, it's the at for the podcast. Oh, part, sure. You
1: probably have to get. Uh, and what was the name of the podcast again? It's called Working On It. One Working second. On It. Uh, there it is. Ah. There's, it.
0: There's the at. You just throw that and whatever.
1: I'll put, this, uh, I'll put a link to the, um, the at for Michelle's podcast, Working On It, into the show notes as well. Mm. And um, you mentioned a little while ago, Holy Wars. We were talking about um, the the ways that people uh, fight each other over faith when when it sort of misses the entire point. Mm -hmm. Um, Today is actually the feast day of St. Robert Southall, who Mm. was a Catholic uh, priest in England in the 16th century, And in um, 1595, he was tortured and killed for being a Catholic priest uh, in England. And so in the tradition of um, continuing uh, the poems that I read at the end of every episode, I thought it appropriate to read one of St. Southell's poems. It is called Scorn Not the Least. And there's a lot of uh, sort of Middle English stuff in here, so if I um, mangle this, I'm very sorry.
0: Uh, I was going to say I would offer to read it, but I've I have not shut up, so like it's all you, baby. It's all you, Snoopy. <laughs> I'll do my best.
1: Uh, where wards are weak and foes encountering strong, where mightier do assault than do defend, the feebler part puts up enforced and and wrong, and silence sees that speech could not amend. Yet higher powers must think, though they repine, when sun is set, little stars will shine. While pike doth range, the sealy tench doth fly and crouch in privy creeks with smaller fish. Yet pikes are caught when little fish go by. These fleet afloat while those do fill the dish. There is a time even for the worm to creep and suck the dew while all her foes do sleep. The merlin cannot ever soar on high, nor greedy greyhounds still pursue the chase. The tender lark will find a time to fly, and fearful hare to run a quiet race. He that high growth on cedars did bestow, gave also lowly mushrooms to grow. In Amon's pomp, poor Mardicaius wept, yet God did turn his fate upon his foe. Then Lazar pined while Diva's feast was kept, yet he to heaven, to hell did Diva's go? We trample grass and prize the flowers of May, yet grass is green when flowers do fade away. Thanks everybody.